Cue and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Cue and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review, that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at qreview.com that's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M or by calling 0141-772-3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, February 7. Aaron Mui's Celtic contribution hailed by Postecoglou. Report by James Kearney. Aaron Mui's fine debut campaign in the Cinch Premiership has caught a few onlookers off guard but his manager is not one of them. A few eyebrows were raised when the former Huddersfield Town midfielder signed a two-year deal at Parkhead in the summer, given he had not played a game in months after a stint playing in China drew to a close. He did not seem like a neat fit from a tactical perspective either, with some fans concerned that the 31-year-old would struggle to keep up with the high-intensity playing style instituted by Ange Postecoglou. Fast forward six months, and those fears are looking very silly indeed. Mui took a little while to get up to speed during the first half of the campaign as he gained match fitness and has been one of his team's and the league's standout players since the Premiership resumed after the World Cup. The playmaker was once again at the heart of another Celtic victory on Sunday, getting on the score sheet with a sublime chip in the 4-1 win at McDermott Park, as supporters and pundits alike hailed the Australians' impact on proceedings. Said Postecoglou, he is just a quality footballer. I am not the least surprised by him. I kind of know what it is there, and there's a lot more to come. His influence is growing. On this pitch, where even good players were struggling, every time he got the ball, he was so sure-footed, and he kept the ball. His balance is unbelievable. He is really strong in terms of his core strength. On days like Sunday, you give him the ball, and not only will he keep it, he will take the right option. I thought we would get a lot of joy out wide against St Johnston with the nature of the pitch. We had everything we needed to combine through central areas in Kyogo, Aaron and Rio Hatati and the two wingers fed off that. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport February 7 Queen's Park focused on promotion. Report by Darren Johnson. 
Queen's Park Chief Executive Leanne Dempster insists the Spiders must now fully focus on clinching the championship title after being thrown out of the Scottish Cup. Owen Coyle's team were dismissed from the competition by the Scottish FA on Friday after admitted they had fielded an ineligible player, Ewan Henderson, in last week's 2-0 rearranged win over Inverness in the fourth round. The on-loan Hearts forward only joined the club after the original game was postponed on January 21 and he should not have been involved against Calais. And instead of preparing a last 16 trip to Livingston this Saturday, Queen's Park will now travel to Morton in a league game that was postponed in December. Coyle's side can move seven points clear at the summit with victory and Dempster insists they cannot let their cup exit throw them off track. She said, We are really disappointed. Disappointed for the supporters, the players, the management team, everybody. It's not a great feeling, I have to tell you. It's a blow. It's not a fatal blow. But we have to pick ourselves up. We have a league campaign to move on with. And we need to refocus on that. We're very sorry about it. It's something that should not have happened. We are out of the competition, but we have to look forward now. It's an odd one. It can only happen to you if you have a replay or a postponement. We should have known about it. There is enough experience in the club to know about it. There is no excuse. We need to own it. And that's it. Report by Darren Johnson. Evening Time Sport, February 7. Rangers in last chance warning over Celtic clash. Report by Ewan Payton. This month's via play cup final is the last chance for Rangers to sow that much needed seed of doubt in Celtic. And that is the view of former Rangers ace Brian Lauderop. Ange Postecoglou's men have been relentless in their pursuit of success since he joined in the summer of 2021. They won a league and cup double last term and are certainly on course to retain their title this season. A treble is not off the cards for the hoops, but of course Rangers will look to put a halt to that by lifting the League Cup on February 26. Loudrop believes that the Derby Day meeting at Hamden in three weeks' time will give Rangers a huge chance to give the current champions something serious to think about for the next campaign. He wrote in his Daily Mail column, At the moment, the Ibrox players might feel like they're running on the spot when they look at the nine-point gap to Celtic staying unchanged. It brings a psychological challenge to every Premiership game. So far under Beale, their response has been excellent. Nine wins and a draw from ten league matches is a superb start for any manager. The problem for Beale, of course, is that Ange Postecoglou and his men do not show any signs of blinking at all. Celtic have taken a remarkable level of relentlessness and turned it into their normal way of working. It's become expected. Game after game, 
month after month, the only way rangers can get close to them is by doing the same. Bill will be delighted by his squad's ability to keep churning out results, but they've yet to find a way to start tipping the balance of power away from Parkhead. After being a little bit unlucky to only draw the last old firm game at Ibrox, that opportunity comes on February 26. Yes, Rangers have games against Patrick Thistle and Livingston before then, and they can't fail in either, but the League Cup final casts a huge shadow over the remainder of this month. I genuinely don't think you can overstate its importance from an Ibrox perspective. Everything will be focused on getting it right at Hamden. It is perhaps the last chance to inject a little doubt into Celtic minds this season. Maybe that would not make much difference to the current title race, because the consistency of Postecoglou's side has been outstanding, but just as significant is what it could mean for the next campaign. Nothing builds conviction and confidence like winning a trophy, especially against a rival you are trying to hunt down. History also shows us how shifts in momentum can take place. A good example was when Alex McLeish took over a Rangers team well behind a dominant Celtic led by Martin O'Neill at the end of 2001. The league was a lost cause, but McLeish got the better of O'Neill in a League Cup semi-final and went on to lift the trophy. Rangers then won an old firm Scottish Cup final. They started the following season full of confidence and ended up claiming a treble after one of the tensest title races in history. Beale, obviously, would dearly love to do something similar. Adding the right players is critical to cutting the gap, and Beale has a chance to further integrate Todd Cantwell and Nicholas Raskin before heading to Hamden. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, February 7 Scotland leapfrog England in world rankings after Calcutta Cup victory. Report by Ian Collin. Scotland's Calcutta Cup triumph over England has lifted them over the old enemy and into fifth place in the world rankings. The thrilling 29-23 win at Twickenham moves the Scots into their highest ever spot, equaling their achievements of 2018. Gregor Townsend's heroes leapfrogged over Australia and England to jump from 7th to 5th after clinching the Calcutta Cup for the fifth time in the last six years. Saturday's visitors to Murrayfield, Wales, are rooted in ninth spot in the world as Scotland seek to build on their victory and avoid the second game defeat that has blighted them three times against Wales in recent years, when they have won their opening Six Nations match. World rankings are 1. Ireland, 2. France, 3. New Zealand, 4. South Africa, 5. Scotland, 6. England, 7. Australia, 8. Argentina, 9. Wales, 10. Japan. 
reports Ian Collin. Evening Times Sport, February 7. Van der Merwe admits he giggles watching his wonder try. Scotland winger Duan van der Merwe admits he giggles when he watches his Twickenham try. The Edinburgh player stunned the home support when he ran from his own half and evaded five English tackles to touch down for his first try in Scotland's Calcutta Cup win. He told BBC Sport, I've obviously seen it a couple of times. I still can't believe I've done that. I giggle when I watch it. But obviously for me personally, it's my best try I've ever scored. Looking back at it, just absolutely buzzing. Van der Merwe later scored another brilliantly finished try following an excellent team move that earned Scotland a 29-23 victory. With three home games and a trip to France to come in the Guinness Six Nations, he was asked how far Gregor Townsend's side can go in the tournament. And he said, we have to take it game by game. We have to focus on Wales this weekend. But also we believe that we can go and beat every single team out there because we are a really, really tight group and we play for each other. So why not? Evening Times Sport, February 8. Celtic Hearts final broke the same rules as Queen's Park, says Hockey. Report by Ewan Payton. Lord Willie Hockey claims that both Celtic and Hearts dodged punishment for breaking the exact same rule that saw Queen's Park disqualified from this season's Scottish Cup. The backer behind the championship leaders insists the Premiership pair avoid any backlash for the alleged breach of rules back in 2020. The Spiders were eliminated from this year's competition after they fielded Ewan Henderson in their fourth round win over Inverness. They thought they'd earned a tie with Livingston in the next round. However, the loan deal with Hearts for Henderson was concluded after the original match date of the Scottish Cup fixture. As a result, Henderson was deemed ineligible. After a notice of complaint was raised in the aftermath of the game, Queen's Park were found guilty by the Scottish FA disciplinary panel, who then reinstated Inverness to the competition. Now Lord Hockey has hit out at the decision and cited Celtic and Hearts breaking the same rules in the Scottish Cup final just over two years ago. The pair were permitted to play newly signed players in the one-off event which was delayed by COVID to December 2020. But the businessman claims there is no paper trail to permit them to bypass the administrative rules. The former Celtic director has questioned how the rule had been applied when appearing on Go Radio. He explained, we signed the lad two weeks ago. He played in a league game, no problem. And what we should have known is that the game was cancelled from three weeks previous. He had to be signed before that, 
But here's an interesting one. The charge was that he had to be signed before the first game. When Celtic played Hearts in the Scottish Cup final in 2020, a 2-2 draw that Celtic won on penalties, that was a postponed game. Eight of the players were not signed before the first game. The exact same rule, Celtic had two, Hearts had six. There was nothing in writing saying because it was during Covid. The two things technically were the exact same thing. The game was postponed. If you take the rule they have ruled against Queen's Park, those eight players should not have been able to play. You take your punishment and move on. It's a human error. But it's not as black and white as people think. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, February 8 Finding a new Rangers number one Report by Chris Jack The problem was kicked down the road last summer. Come the end of the campaign, it must be addressed as a matter of urgency. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst opted not to sign a goalkeeper, but Michael Beale now has no option but to do so. He will need at least one, probably two, or perhaps even three, as his squad takes shape ahead of his first full campaign in charge. Beale vowed during the January transfer window that he would only sign players who would improve the starting eleven and the deals for Todd Cantwell and Nicholas Raskin were examples of him sticking to that message. More general work will need to be done to freshen the squad next time out, but the keeper position is a non-negotiable in terms of what is required. Beale will be picking a new number one next term. If that is not Robbie McCrory, then the youth graduate will surely head for the exit door and go and kickstart his career elsewhere rather than play second fiddle to an incoming custodian. Alan McGregor's time is nearly up and his glittering career is coming to an end. John McLaughlin still has years left in him, but they are not as first choice at Ibrox and time will tell whether he sees out the final 12 months of his contract or not. There is a sense that Rangers fudged the keeper situation last summer. McGregor unwittingly undermined McLaughlin when he decided, just weeks after what looked like a Hamden farewell, to sign another deal, and then discovered that he wouldn't be first choice under Van Bronckhurst. McLaughlin failed to convince or recover from the success of 4-0 defeats to Celtic and Ajax and McGregor replaced him just weeks after being deemed to be the second pick. At the same time, McCrory looked on and felt marginalised after being denied the chance to move up the pecking order. Rather than recruiting a new keeper that could lay claim to the jersey for several seasons to come, Rangers tried to get by for one last term. It has not worked out 
and the decisions made last summer still have ramifications now as Beale attempts to muddle through the final months of the campaign before probably rectifying the problem. The solution will come in the transfer market. Rangers have a remarkable track record when it comes to keepers, and the next man that follows in the footsteps of the likes of McGregor, Stefan Kloss and Andy Gorham must have the quality and the character required for such a position. The uncertainty over the future and the chopping and changing in the here and now is damaging Rangers. Beale can only play the hand that he has been dealt and he has done well to keep everyone in his squad engaged mentally and in shape physically to ensure Rangers get to the summer with something to build on in the longer term. Beale spoke about the noise surrounding the goalkeepers in the aftermath of the victory over Kilmarnock last month. In the same media conference, he seemed to point to this season being the final one that McGregor will play, stating that the veteran is of an age where he's thinking about coming nearer to the end, as he referenced his contract that is once again ticking down. The weeks since then saw the volume levels turn down slightly, but the decibels have risen once again in the aftermath of the win at home to Ross County on Saturday. The debate will not go away now, and the conversations over decisions made in the past and the present will continue until decisive action is taken at the end of the campaign. When Beale pitched McLaughlin in out of the blue for the Premiership fixture at Tannadice, he cited the 35-year-old's abilities at dead balls and set pieces as reasons for the call to put him in ahead of McGregor. It was the sort of game, Bill reckoned, where that skill set would be needed. In the end, the 90 minutes did not turn out as planned. Quickfire goals from Fashion Sakala and Malik Tillman won it for Rangers, and McLaughlin, relatively untroubled throughout, had another clean sheet to add to the one he got in Dingwall a fortnight earlier, after McGregor was ruled out through illness. It was McGregor who got the nod against Aberdeen the following week, but Beale then changed again at Rugby Park. The theory about McLaughlin being more commanding was again in mind, but he was unconvincing in that regard and caught out as Chris Stokes gave Kilmarnock a lead that Rangers were able to overturn. And so we come, after McGregor kept two clean sheets against St Johnston and went away to Hearts to the visit of the Staggies. Beale stated that McLaughlin looked the fresher of the keepers after McGregor's exertions at Tynecastle, and the man that they still regarded as first choice took a seat on the bench. No damage was done, as Tillman and Borna Barisic ensured Beale's unbeaten run was extended, but McLaughlin again did little to stake a claim for a prolonged run in the side. As Jordan White headed home to bring county level, 
McLaughlin was left flailing as he came for a cross and got nowhere near it and his head rested on the turf as his mistake registered in his mind. It was a tenth Premiership goal conceded in as many matches for McLaughlin. By comparison, McGregor has lost 13 in 15 appearances and has six clean sheets, one more than his counterpart, from a difficult league campaign where neither man has impressed consistently. Beale was never going to castigate his keeper at the weekend. He called the concession of the goal lousy, but pointed to the fact that his side had reacted slowly to a short corner, and he questioned the roles of his defenders as County were given a lifeline that ultimately proved futile. His manager chose not to point the finger of blame at McLaughlin, but events on Saturday continue to feed the narrative and supporters will be expecting decisive action to be taken 12 months after what has proven to be the wrong calls were made. McGregor, now closing in on 500 appearances for the club, will rightly be lauded for his years of service and his place amongst the pantheon of greats is enshrined. McLaughlin, meanwhile, should be thanked for his efforts over three seasons and wished well. For McCrory, the ankle ligament injury that will sideline him for at least another three weeks has come at the wrong time and being involved in only a quarter of the training sessions, never mind the matchday squads, has not exactly given him the chance to prove himself just months after agreeing a new long-term contract. Beale will determine soon enough whether McCrory is the heir to the McGregor throne. The court of public opinion has already ruled that McLaughlin is not, and the keeper's situation will go some way to defining Beale's first full term in charge, and indeed the coming years. The process of returning Rangers to number one in the Premiership will start with a new number one being recruited. The position and the process simply must be a priority at eyebrows, says Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, February 8. Duncan Ferguson opens up on his biggest regret. Report by Ewan Payton Duncan Ferguson has opened up on the biggest regret of his career and the former Rangers and Dundee United striker claimed ending his international career with Scotland over a bitter feud with the Scottish FA cost him up to 200 caps. Ferguson won only seven caps for Scotland over a seven-year spell from 1992 However, he retired in 1997 in protest after the SFA tried to hammer him with a 12-game ban on top of a 44-day jail sentence for headbutting Wraith Rovers defender Jock McStay. The infamous on-field assault took place in April 1994 as Rangers played the Starks Park outfit at Ibrox 
and Ferguson admits it's a massive regret of his. The Everton legend admits he was very tempted to end his self-inflicted exile from the national side when Walter Smith and Ali McCoy's took charge in 2004. Speaking on Tony Bellow's podcast on BBC Five Live Sport, the new Forest Green Rovers manager said, Absolutely the biggest regret of my career is not playing for Scotland. That's my biggest regret and it was my pig-headedness because I thought what happened to me was a total injustice. It wasn't just the prison. When I came out of prison, the SFA asked me to serve another 12-game ban. I'd been in the jug. I did the seven weeks out of the three months and missed X amount of games. I came out and the SFA asked me to serve another 12-game ban on top of what I'd already done. It wasn't enough for them, so I then had to go to the courts and fight my case and say it was like double jeopardy or whatever it's called. I'd been to prison, done a bit of bird and lost a lot of games and they wanted me to do another 12 games. I actually won my case. I never served those games. So when I came out of the jail, that was it ended, and I got on with my football. But I got the hump with the SFA wanting me to serve that ban. But I regret it now, because I should have played 200 times for Scotland. They asked me every year for 14 years. They asked me every year until I was 34. Ali McCoy's phoned me up at 10 o'clock one night and said, Big man, come back. We're playing Italy in a World Cup qualifier and you'll play. With Walter as manager, I was tempted because I loved him, a great man who unfortunately isn't with us. He was a lovely man, a great fella and a gentleman. And I really thought about it then and with Ali being there as well. But I was just pig-headed. I'd put a line in the sand and that's my biggest regret not playing for my country. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport February 8 Morelis Rangers Transfer Talks Latest Report by Ewan Payton Alfredo Morelis has reportedly rejected a mega money move to Turkey. The Rangers star is free to speak to other clubs with his current deal at Ibrooks expiring in the summer. While it looks likely that he will depart Glasgow after six years, the Colombian has not completely ruled out signing a new contract. It was said earlier this week that ambitious Turkish side Konya Spor wanted to take the 26-year-old at the end of the season. However, the Scottish Sun report that Norales has knocked back this approach. The Super League side were told they would be wasting their time with a late bid before today's Turkish deadline. Overall, it's been a poor season for the striker by his usually high standards in Scotland. That said, since Michael Beale's arrival in November, Morales has regained form firing in doubles against Kilmarnock and Hearts in recent weeks. 
The report states that Morellis is now considering extending his stay. Speaking about the player recently, Beale said, just playing regularly and just enjoying his football and we're creating a lot of chances. I think he could probably have a few more goals if I'm honest and that has probably driven him. That's two away at Kilmarnock and two away at Hearts. I am over the moon with Alfredo at the minute. He is no bother to me around the building. So far, so good. Antonio is waiting on the sidelines. He is not 100% fit, but it's difficult when a centre forward is in such good form. It's not really an area you would voluntarily rotate. So it's difficult for Tony, but early in the season the reverse was true and Tony was scoring a lot. So it's a good place for us to be in. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport, February 8 Union Berlin Chief admits shock at Juranovic capture Report by Ewan Payton A Union Berlin Chief has admitted he did not think Josip Juranovic would sign for the club from Celtic. Managing Director Oliver Runert has revealed he and others at the club were surprised to be able to get a deal over the line when the Bundesliga side tried their luck last month. However, he is delighted that they kept up their pursuit of the Croatian international, especially after the right-back's superb start to life in Germany. Juranovic was linked with several top clubs around Europe after impressing at the World Cup in 2022. The likes of Chelsea, Barcelona and Manchester United were all credited with an interest in the former Celtic star. While none of these teams made an official approach, it was Bundesliga High Flyers Union who secured Juranovic's services in the end, paying out £10 million for the defender. Runert admitted the coup signing from Postecoglou's team shows just how far they have come in recent years. He said, We came at the right moment with players like Juranovic and Laduni. A few years ago, players would probably have said no, but you see that work has been done successfully here in recent years. That makes it easier for them. At first, we had the expectation that the Juranovic deal would probably not work out. We stuck with it and were rewarded in the end. We had Ledoni on our radar for a long time. It was never realistic before, but like with Juranovic, we came at the right moment. Both are very positive guys in the dressing room. That is extremely gratifying. That's exactly what we wanted. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, February 9 Duncan Ferguson on burglar confrontation I thought I'd killed him Report by David Irvin Duncan Ferguson has revealed he thought he had killed an intruder in his home more than 20 years ago The former Everton Rangers and Dundee United forward had fought off intruders in his home back in 2001. Ferguson, 
who was jailed for an on-the-field assault, tackled burglars at his house in Lancashire in the early hours of the morning. The former pro, now Forest Green Rover's boss, managed to grab one of the two intruders and unloaded on the burglar. Ferguson admits he even went from fighting off the intruder to trying to help him, having feared he had killed him. Speaking on the Tony Bellow Is Angry podcast, Ferguson recounted the frightening tale. He explained, I got a grip of one of them, and that's when I got angry. I unloaded, and I really did. I followed into the state where I actually thought I'd killed him. I basically had to try to resuscitate him then. So you go from actually unloading on the fellow to trying to help him. Former Everton player Steve Watson previously lifted the lid on the famous story on the Under the Cosh podcast. He said, Amazing, it's an amazing story. Gary Naismith was sitting next to him in the dressing room the day after, and he was just fascinated by it. Gary asked, When did you stop hitting him? Then he just says, Well, just when they stopped moving. His knuckles were raw. He's such a character. Discussing his three-month stint in jail after being charged with assault over an encounter with Jock McStay during his time at Rangers, Ferguson added, I was only a young guy and it was tough on me at the time. It does test you when you're walking in there. When you are walking into the halls, you are on your own. And of course, I had played for Rangers. Berlini is in the middle of Glasgow. Half the jail's blue and half the jail's green. It's so it's not easy. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, February 9. Geocomachus on extra motivation behind move to Atlanta from Celtic. Report by Ewan Payton. Georgios Giacomakis has revealed the extra motivation behind his Atlanta United switch from Celtic. The Greek international finally completed his exit from Parkhead yesterday after months of speculation surrounding his future. He was unveiled as a new signing for the MLS side after the long-running transfer saga. Ambitious J-League side Urawa Red Diamonds were the frontrunners initially, but eventually it was Atlanta who came out on top, with the 28-year-old favouring a move to America. Their domestic campaign begins later this month with San Jose Earthquakes, the first game for Atlanta. Giacomakis has detailed many reasons behind the transfer, which earned Celtic around £4 million. He praised their passionate fan base, as well as his new club's training facilities, and he told his new side's club media, First of all, I watched a lot of MLS the last two or three years, and of course it was one of the leagues that I would love to play in. Atlanta, because I know Atlanta is a very good, very good, very nice club. It's a big club with a lot of fans 
which is something that I really like because I'm a passionate person. I love to play in front of crazy fans, which Atlanta has, and I watched all of Atlanta United's games from last season. It helped me a lot to make up my mind and sign with them. And I researched about the training facilities and the stadium, and they're just amazing. It was an extra motivation to join Atlanta. My wife is going to follow me with my two kids. I can't wait. When you join Atlanta, you have to have as a main target the goal to win the league and as many trophies as possible. That's the main target you have. One of my targets is also to be a top scorer in the league and help my team with many goals. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, February 9 O'Hara lives American dream, playing with Clint Eastwood Report by Nick Roger If you have ever played golf with Clint Eastwood, and I appreciate that is a pretty preposterous opening gambit, when one assumes you are tempted to mutter a line from Dirty Harry as you totted up your scorecards and clarified what he took on the fourth. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, Paul O'Hara did play golf with the bold Clint the other week, but the Scot could have recited the entire script of the good, the bad and the ugly, and it still would not have registered with the ageing Hollywood great. He told one of the others in the group that I was a really good player, but he just couldn't understand a word I was saying, chuckled O'Hara of this communication breakdown. The unlikely golfing alliance between a Tartan Tour regular and a 92-year-old legend of the big screen was all part of O'Hara's American dream last week. In the build-up to his PGA Tour debut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, O'Hara partnered Eastwood in a charity Par 3 contest. Once the tournament itself got going, the motherwell man acquitted himself superbly. The 35-year-old made the 54-hole cut played with three-time major champion Jordan Spieth on the final day and earned, well, a fistful of dollars. And if we shoehorn any more ropey cinematic references into this piece, we'll have to start paying royalties to the Eastwood estate. As in various walks of life, it does not matter what you know, it is who you know. That was certainly the case for O'Hara as he earned an invitation to Pebble Beach through American property tycoon and AT&T pro-arm regular Pat Hamill. Explained O'Hara, I've played with him in the Carnegie Invitational at Skewbo Castle over the last couple of years. I'd shot nine under in his company last September, and he thought that was unbelievable and said, I'll try to get you into the AT&T. I never heard much else after that though. But the reason I hadn't was that Pat had been in a terrible car crash. He was lucky to survive. Once he'd recovered, 
he messaged me to say I'd got in. At that point, in the dour depths of a Scottish winter, O'Hara was engulfing hibernation. His last competitive event was in October, and the golf he had played since then was off mats. With California calling, the Lochure Family Golf Centre in Coatbridge became the site of fevered industry. Six days before I flew out, I was just hammering as many balls as I could to get back into it, said the former Scottish PGA champion. He may have been as rusty as the wheel arches of a British Leyland motor, but O'Hara got up to speed quickly on United States soil, battled through the first three rounds, and savoured a delayed final round with the aforementioned Spieth. It was a massive leap in standard, said O'Hara, who would pick up a tidy cheque for over $17,500. Playing alongside Jordan was an eye-opener. His short game is phenomenal, and his scrambling ability and touch is frightening. It was a real education, but I didn't feel out of my depth. It is 13 years now since O'Hara made the leap into the pro ranks. He chiselled away at the coalface and did have some success on the third rung of the European ladder, but he opted to step back, do his PGA training and compete predominantly on the Tartan Tour. Since then, he has become a prolific winner, both domestically and on the wider PGA scene. Professionally and personally, it has been a sound career decision. The travelling wore me down, and I prefer playing at home. He said, of the wearing effects of bouncing around the developmental circuits. The Tartan Tour has been great for my game. Winning at any level breeds confidence. It makes you feel good about yourself. When you're struggling, it's the complete opposite. I know lots of players who were lost to golf after trying to get on the tour. They were really good players, but just couldn't keep bashing on the door. It's a tough school, and such a hard sport to survive in. After his early season tonic in the United States, O'Hara's next target is April's PGA Playoffs, where a number of potentially lucrative DP World Tour starts will be up for grabs. To get them would be massive, he said of this chance to earn a few dollars more. Sorry, Clint, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, February 9. O gets Celtic backing. Report by Mark Walker. Former Celtic star Ki Sung Yung has backed his South Korean countryman Oh Hyun-gu to be a huge hit with the Scottish champions. The Hoops signed the promising 21-year-old last month from homeland club Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, whose manager reveals Celtic had tried to sign him in the summer as well. Oh revealed when he was unveiled as a Celtic player 
that Key was one of the players he admired and looked up to. Key joined Celtic in 2010 in a £2.5 million move from FC Seoul and went on to win a title, Scottish Cup and League Cup in a two-year stint before clinching a £6 million move to Swansea City. The 34-year-old is now back at FC Seoul following further spells at Newcastle United, Sunderland and Mallorca and has been previewing the start of the K-League, which kicks off later this month. And he admitted he was delighted to see O follow in his footsteps at Celtic. Key said, I think O is a player with huge potential. He doesn't have much experience in the K-League, but I believe he will show he is capable of making the leap to a higher level. I don't have a relationship with him as I don't know him personally, but I have watched him and he is a player with good physical attributes and speed. He is a young guy who is full of confidence in his own ability and energy. I read what he said about me when he signed for Celtic and that was an honour. Celtic are a club with incredible fans. Every time I played there, I was amazed by the atmosphere. I can never forget it. It was a really good experience for me. Everything will be very different for him as it was for me, the language, the climate and teammates. So it will be difficult for him to adapt at first. It's important for him to accept this and keep calm about it and realise it will take time to adjust to his new surroundings on and off the pitch. But in Europe, you have to be proactive and not passive. He can certainly contact me if he has any questions about settling in Scotland. Report by Mark Walker. Evening Times Sport, February 10. Stephen Gerrard, new favourite for Premier League job. Report by Aidan Smith. Skybet have opened betting on the next manager of Southampton amid growing pressure on current boss Nathan Jones. Jones was pilloried by fans during and after last weekend's 3-0 defeat, having cited the fact he had compromised certain principles for Southampton's poor form since he took over the hot seat in November. Saints currently sit rock bottom of the Premier League and should they look to change manager, they could look to Steven Gerrard. The former Rangers and Aston Villa boss is currently the favourite for the position, priced at 5-1 with Sky Bet. Marcello Gallardo is at 61, Mauricio Pochettino 8-1 and Nuno Santo 10-1 and they are also among the bookies' list of runners and riders. Jones is currently 5-2 against to be the next Premier League manager to lose his job. Gerrard has also been linked with a possible move to Leeds United after the Whites sacked Jesse Marsh following a string of poor results. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank reckons the Liverpool legend would be a great shout for his former club. And he explained, 
the safest bet is someone that knows the Premier League. They have to come in and get Elland Road rocking again. Just look at what Sean Dyche did in his first game at Everton, who have now found a little sparkle. Hiring someone that knows the Premier League is the best solution. Steven Gerrard is a great shout. He knows the Premier League, but he also knew what went wrong at Aston Villa. He is a big personality and can handle the pressure as a big club, having also managed at Rangers. I can see him managing Leeds. Leeds' managerial search has already taken longer than Chair Andrea Radizani had indicated. But for now, under-21's boss Michael Skubala is the man in charge and he could reflect on a strong showing against Manchester United during the week in a 2-2 draw. He said, I am really proud of the players. I thought they did really well. In the context that Manchester United have not lost in 13 in all competitions at home, I'm a bit disappointed because I thought we did enough to win the game, but it was really good. Without giving too much away, because we've got another game against them on Sunday, the plan was not to be passive, to be aggressive, to be free and attack them. The most rewarding part is how in the last moments we saw out the game. At the end we had to dig deep and show personality to get the point. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, February 10 Maida details Celtic Vinicius Junior study mission Report by Mark Walker Celtic star Dazen Maida has credited Hoops coach Harry Kuehl as the man behind his dramatic improvement this season after admitting he has made him rethink the way he approaches the game. Ange Postikoglu this week credited his countryman Kuehl for helping with Maida's impressive burst of form after scoring eight goals for Celtic and also providing five league assistants. And Maida has revealed how former Liverpool and Leeds United forward Kuehl helped him improve his all-round game after taking him under his wing. Maida said, I came to Celtic a year ago, but at first I didn't set any chances up at all. Even for most of this season, I wasn't the type of player who could set things up or dribble or anything like that. But Harry Kuehl, the coach who came this season, started saying, you're fast, why don't you use it? Just before the World Cup, I started having individual meetings with him after every game and he started accompanying me to training on my own. After that, I changed. He told me, it doesn't matter if you make mistakes, just keep trying and just take the initiative. If you can't do it, you can drop back. And I started to dribble more and more. I still don't speak English that well, and I didn't want to have too many meetings. I was the type of person who used to think that I didn't even need to watch football. But after meetings with Harry and watching videos of my game, 
I realized that just by being aware of my own abilities, I could make such a big difference. Harry explains things clearly to me in simple English, and the content of the videos are wide-ranging. It's not just scenes of dribbling, but also positioning in front of the ball, the timing of the start of the move, the course of the move, the process leading up to the goal. It's all very carefully selected, so when I'm on for a full match, it's quite long. I do that for every match, so I learn a lot. I've changed the way I look at football, and I'm at the stage where I'm learning the depth of football all over again. Maida, in an interview in his homeland, revealed he's been studying countryman Kiora Matoma at Brighton and Real Madrid's Vinicius Jr. in a bid to get better. He said, I haven't really tried to set up goals before, so I've been watching videos of them and watching the dribbling of other left-sided players. I watched Vinicius Jr. the other day, and I pay attention to how they set up. I'm also trying to test that out in training. I've certainly started to think about football a lot more. Once I played in the World Cup, I felt a strong desire to learn again. So I think I naturally wanted to know more about football. The season is going well, but I want to get both my goals and assists up to about 10 for each. Up until now, even if I scored double-digit goals, I had no assists at all. But if I can do both, I can broaden my range as an attacker. I want to take it one day at a time, one game at a time, so that I can become a player who can do many different jobs. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport February 10 Rugby-inspired ticket technology scores £1 million in financial backing. Report by Kirsty Dossie A startup specialising in software to deliver more efficient mobile ticketing and a better fan experience to smaller clubs has closed a seven-figure investment round that will allow it to further product development and expand its presence in the United States. Operating out of Edinburgh, FanBase's technology is being used by multiple clubs across a variety of sports such as Hibs, Netball Super League's Strathclyde Sirens and Super 6 rugby team Southern Knights. The platform includes a new portal recently launched that allows back office teams to collaborate, incorporating allocated stadium mapping, automated subscriptions and renewals. The £1 million funding round was led by Salt Pay, which was founded in 2019 to build a pan-European cooperative of payment components for small and medium-sized firms. It follows a seed funding round of nearly £500,000 in May 2021, supported by a variety of angel investors. 
Individual investors include Steve Pankhurst and Tim Ward of Friends Reunited, which was sold to commercial broadcaster ITV in 2005, and Design by Night co-founders Nick Telson and Andrew Webster. Launched in 2021, the idea for Fanbase came three years earlier, when former Scotland under-20s winger Michael Crawford and his brother Alistair got involved in helping a local rugby club to boost income, drawing on the data engineering expertise of their third co-founder Carol Barton, they developed the foundations of what would become the Fanbase app. Our vision is for Fanbase to unlock a huge amount of revenue for sports teams by making it easier to buy and engage with sports organisations outside the top tier, said Alistair, the company's chief executive. Fanbase recently won its first United States customer, soccer club DeKalb County United, out of Illinois, and on the back of that has secured five additional United States teams in recent weeks. Alistair said the company, which currently employs 10 people, plans to expand its operations and marketing in North America. He said, we are enabling sports organisations to launch a team-branded mobile-optimised sports-focused digital ticketing service in minutes, while increasing hospitality revenue and saving hours per week for staff and volunteers responsible for bookings and operations. We are now a fully integrated sports ticketing tech stack that can handle online ticket office and pay at the gate, so right through from ticket office order, payment and fulfilment. Clubs using Fanbase can use our data layer to track fan data, identify audiences and optimise sales. They can communicate directly with their fans from the platform via push notifications and we're also working on unlocking more channels. Fanbase recently became the first UK-based sports technology firm to join Microsoft's Startup Accelerator program, marking Edinburgh's return to the sports technology game. The Scottish capital was previously home to online fantasy sports operator Fan Duel, which later shifted its headquarters to New York to be closer to its main North American market. Fan Duel opened a UK hub for product innovation in Edinburgh in September of last year. In a separate announcement, original Fan Duel founders Nigel Eccles and Rob Jones announced a $4 million fundraising for their latest venture, United States-based music platform Vault. Report by Kirsty Dossie. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 11th of February 2023, from the sports section, Todd Cantwell makes Rangers prediction and offers Ibrox verdict, by Christopher Jack. 
Todd Cantwell is confident there is plenty more to come from him after an impressive start to his Rangers career. The midfielder has helped Michael Bale's side record wins over St Johnson, Hearts and Ross County following his move from Norwich City. Cantwell has given supporters glimpses of what he's capable of after sorting into the Ibrox attack with relative ease so far. The visit of Partick Thistle is next on the agenda and Cantwell said, I've really enjoyed myself so far. I have been involved in three games and we've managed to win all three. It's been a pretty good start. I've been able to put building blocks down in terms of my own fitness. Footballers play with footballers and we understand each other's movements, if that makes sense. That's only going to get better with time. The manager has got a style he wants to play and implement and the players around will understand the roles in that. It will only get better. As things progress, I'll start to make movements that the players want me to make. It's not all about me. It's about building that understanding and that's what we're doing at the moment. I'll feed off the energy of the other boys too, where they want it and what their qualities are. In terms of a start, I think I'm pretty happy. I just want to build on these relationships and kick on. The move to Ibrox saw Cantwell bring an emotional end to his association with Norwich as he said farewell to the club where he made his name in the game. He was joined by friends and family for the county clash last weekend and his new surroundings have already made quite the impression. Cantwell said, It's a long way from Norwich so I don't think they'll be doing it every week. But my dad, brother and two best mates came up for the game last week and they loved it. It took them by surprise just how big the club is, how big the stadium is. The history isn't something you can be told about, it's something you have to feel. They didn't want to leave, to be fair. And that report was by Christopher Jack. Evening Times Sport, February 13. Michael Beale, Fair Play Award Possibility. Report by David Irvin. Rangers boss Michael Beale would receive a Fair Play Award if SFA Chiefs follow their English counterparts after former Scotland international Paul Dickop was honoured for a similar act of sportsmanship. Ibrook's boss Beale has been widely praised after ordering his players to allow Patrick Thistle to walk the ball into the net and equalise in the Scottish Cup tie after Malik Tillman had scored a controversial goal when the Jags were trying to give the ball back to Rangers. Thistle's Scott Tiffany was allowed to go unchallenged to equalise and Beale insisted his actions were the right thing to do. Rangers went on to win 3-2. Former Manchester City and Arsenal star Dickel was in charge of Doncaster Rovers in 2015 when Harry Foster, who would go on to play for Rangers, accidentally overhit an intended clearance back to the Bury side they were playing after the ball had been put out of play for an injured player and it flew over keeper Christian Walton into the net in the opening English League 1 match of the season. Dickov, who won 10 caps for Scotland, ordered his players to step aside and allow Bury striker Leon Clark to equalise and the match finished 1-1. The Football League rewarded him at Doncaster's very next match with a special Fair Play Award. The EFL Chief Executive Sean Harvey said, Every club manager 
wants to begin the new season with three points. So for Paul to focus on the game's best interests at a moment of intense pressure is something that deserves this special recognition. Dickov insisted at the time, I'm actually a little bit embarrassed by all the plaudits, to be honest. I think any other manager in my position would have done the same thing. One thing we have here at Doncaster, within football, is a really good name, and it was important to keep that. The reaction has been absolutely fantastic, especially with coverage coming from all over the world. People have been very supportive, and if anything, it has raised the profile of the ethos of this club, which is great for everyone. But away from all that, I firmly believe it was the right thing to do. And there was another Scottish connection to similar acts of sportsmanship involving current Hibs boss Lee Johnson. Johnson was playing for his father Gary's club, Yeovil Town, in a League Cup tie in 2004 against Plymouth, when he overhit his clearance attempting to put the ball back to the keeper after an injury, and it sailed into the net. Gary Johnson allowed current Dundee United assistant manager Stevie Crawford to go through unchallenged and equalise for Plymouth. The future Hibs manager went on to score a hat-trick in that game, and his father later stated, it was the right thing to do. Former Leeds boss Marcello Bielsa was also praised by Arsene Wenger after allowing Aston Villa to score in a heated championship game in 2019 from another similar incident. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport February 13 Finn Russell says renewed Scotland harmony with Townsend, producing top form. Finn Russell put his sensational recent form for Scotland down to finding renewed harmony with head coach Gregor Townsend. The pair have had a strained relationship at times, but the talismanic standoff explained how a telephone chat in November after he had been left out of the initial squad for the Autumn Internationals, has helped them get on the same page. Russell has looked back to his brilliant best since returning to the dark blue jersey for the mid-November test against New Zealand, with his latest magnificent display coming in Saturday's Guinness Six Nations Destruction of Wales. Before I came back in the autumn, Gregor called me on the Saturday or Sunday night, the racing 92 fly half explained. I said to him before I came back in that I'd like for me and he to chat through a few things, not in terms of the stuff outside rugby, more the rugby side of it. There were a few things I may not have been happy with, or he might not have been happy with. It wasn't a case of clearing the air, it was more about us getting back on the same page and being open and honest with each other as to where he is at mentally with his game plan and how he wants things to run and me having my input and seeing what I think as well. Gregor and I 
are in a much better place now than when we were a year ago. We are on the same page and I am allowed to express myself. Not that I wasn't before, but I think that the way me and Gregor are working together is really helping me. I think Gregor and I got on better than we have ever done before. It's not just us chatting about rugby, him being the coach and me being the player. It's more just us chatting away and getting to know each other. We are both on the same page now and have a good relationship. Russell admits he struggled with fatigue last season on the back of the 2021 British and Irish Lions tour, but he feels that becoming a father in November and the lifestyle changes that has involved has also helped him get back on track. And he said, if I'm happy and playing good rugby, I'll enjoy myself off the field and vice versa. If I'm happy and enjoying myself off the field, I'll be playing good rugby. Last year was a poor season for me. I was probably tired and fatigued and didn't really change anything myself. Whereas this year, partly because of my partner being pregnant, I've had to change my lifestyle and everything around that, and my rugby's probably changed as well. There have been a few big differences in the last 12 months for me, and that's probably helping me now. Russell claimed the Man of the Match award on Saturday's 35-7 win over Wales, as he directly assisted three of the Scots' five tries, and also played a prominent part in another. And he said, It was really good. I played well. I pretty much did my job as a ten, which is to make the other boys look good, to create these chances for them to finish off. It was the first game my daughter Charlie was at. It was a special game for me, because she was there for the first time. We got a great result, and I played quite well. When I wasn't involved for the first two autumn tests, I missed it, and wanted to get back in there, so I've loved being back in camp. We're playing good rugby, but there's still a lot more to come, so it's exciting times. Evening Times Sport, February 13. Ian McCall sacked by Partick Thistle. Report by David Irvin. Ian McCall has been sacked by Partick Thistle just hours after the Scottish Cup defeat to Rangers. The manager had been in the dugout at Ibrox for the 3-2 defeat and completed media duties after the match before the shock announcement. Alan Archibald and Neil Scally have also been relieved of their duties by Partick Thistle club chiefs. Under-18 coach and club legend Chris Doolan has been placed in charge of the first team on an interim basis after McCall's departure, and he will be assisted by academy director Paul MacDonald. Thistle currently sit just one point outside of the championship playoff spots, but fell to defeat against both Hamilton and Cove Rangers in their last two league outings. A club statement read, Patrick Thistle FC have relieved Ian McCall, Alan Archibald and Neil Scally 
of their duties in relation to the first team with immediate effect. The club would like to place on record its sincere appreciation to all three for their contributions to Patrick Thistle over many years. Under 18 coach Chris Doolan will take on the role of first team manager on an interim basis and will be assisted in this regard by academy director Paul MacDonald. At this crucial juncture of the season, we ask all members of the Patrick Thistle family to get behind Chris and the team as we strive for promotion to the Scottish Premiership. No further comment will be made. Championship side Patrick Thistle were narrowly edged out by Rangers in a thrilling Scottish Cup fifth round encounter, not short of drama. The visitors had taken the lead through a Kevin Holt penalty after David Munro pointed to the spot following a VAR check for a contentious handball against Antonio Cholak. The Croatian striker levelled for Rangers after the break before a major flashpoint when Malik Tillman netted a controversial second for his side. Play had been halted for the Bayern Munich loanee to receive treatment. Thistle then looked to play the ball to Rangers, but Tillman pinched the ball before rounding keeper Jamie Snedden and poking home. After outrage from Thistle players and officials, Michael Beale ordered his team to allow their opposition to level the score after the major communication breakdown. A header from James Sands with four minutes left saw Rangers progress after a breathless second period. After the match, when quizzed on the Tillman incident and subsequent free goal, McCall commented, I've been in football since 1981 and I've never seen anything like it before. I think I'd have done it if I'm being honest. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if we had won 3-2. But he made the decision and I think it was the right one. I think sometimes a bit of class is going out of football, but that showed it. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport February 13. Howard Webb calls meeting for Premier League referees after offside errors. Referees Chief Howard Webb has called a meeting of Premier League officials for tomorrow after two high-profile offside errors at the weekend. The refereeing body Professional Game Match Officials Limited PGMOL issued a statement on Sunday confirming Webb had contacted Arsenal and Brighton to acknowledge and explain mistakes made in their matches on Saturday. VAR Lee Mason failed to check an offside in the build-up to Ivan Toney's equalising goal for Brentford against Arsenal, while Brighton had a goal by Pervis Estupinen ruled out for offside because the lines were drawn from the wrong Crystal Palace player. The PA news agency understands Webb called the meeting of all top flight officials at Stockley Park in response to the incidents at the weekend. 
Appointments for the next round of Premier League games are set to be confirmed at midday on Tuesday, which is always the case when there is a match on a Monday night. PGMOL has not commented on whether Mason will be involved. He was not selected earlier this season in the round following another high-profile error he made when he disallowed a goal for Newcastle in their home match against Crystal Palace on September 3. Webb's impact since his return to the English game at the end of last year after a stint managing referees in the United States has largely been well received. He presented to clubs at Friday's Premier League shareholders meeting and has raised the bar for VAR intervention on subjective decisions so that only clear and obvious errors are now being reviewed. Webb sees the purpose of tomorrow's meeting as being to identify the issues from the weekend, reflect on them, review them and move forward. He is keen to ensure officials have the correct support and coaching and VAR already have dedicated assistance from former rugby league referee Phil Bentham. Evening Times Sport February 13 Gregor Townsend blown away by Finn Russell's masterclass Report by David Barnes Gregor Townsend paid tribute to Finn Russell after the Scotland standoff delivered a masterclass in how to play creative rugby which blew Wales away at Murrayfield. However, the head coach highlighted that the playmaker benefits from being part of a backline packed with exciting attacking threats. Russell had a direct role in all four of his team's tries after the break and he mercilessly tormented the visitors with his inch-perfect crossfield kicking. Very good, replied Townsend when asked for his assessment of the player's performance. The threats that Finn has around him set up opportunities. He made very good decisions on what opportunities to take. Our wingers held their width very well and Finn's kicking to them was excellent. The midfielders offered a dual threat of passing and running. The ability to put passes in to get the wingers in space and to run hard yourself forces the defence to mark people outside Finn. If they do that and they take their eye off him, then he will take those spaces and put people into holes. Townsend also highlighted that Russell often does not get the credit he deserves for his defensive work. And he continued, The things that will get spotted are his offloads and kicks which were excellent. But when he's at that level of focus and competitiveness, he'll deliver a very good all-round performance. I thought he was really good defensively. He's a really competitive player and that comes out in different ways. It often comes out in his defence. His contact clears. Things that don't get spotted. It feels like an improved performance from the week before. Townsend added, turning his attention to the team effort, which went into Scotland's biggest ever win over Wales in the 140-year history of this fixture.
He continued, it did not feel like that at half time. It felt more like Twickenham, but the second half improved. If it was a 7 out of 10 last week, it has moved up to an 8 out of 10 this week. And we will have to improve again against France next week. The next two teams we play are ranked 1 and 2 in the world. And we have to get up to 9 out of 10 to beat them. Coming into the match, Wales head coach Warren Gatland had a record of 11 wins from 11 matches played against Scotland. But Townsend insists that he takes no particular satisfaction in breaking that winning streak. And he claimed, The satisfaction was giving our crowd a really good day. The internal focus was on playing better than we did the previous week. We did that in the end, but there's more to come from the group. We were also playing for a trophy, the Doddy Weir Cup, and that means a lot to us, said Townsend. I'm sure he would have been proud. He used to message me before and after games. He would always wish us all the best before the game, and I picture him having a Guinness or a red wine sitting at home. If we won, he would say after the game that it was all down to the coaches, and if we lost, he would say it was nothing to do with the coaches. It was always a nice text to receive from him, and his wife Cathy has continued that tradition. It was a big day for Cathy and the boys and for them to feel that love that everyone has for them, and for Doddy's legacy to continue with the fundraising. It was a special day. It was brilliant that we were able to win for them. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels, at Review, and to tell your friends about our service.